Welcome back to our series of questions and answers. In this session, we'll be answering the question, or at least begin answering the question, how do we know that God exists? Is it possible for people to know that God exists if they don't have a Bible or don't live near a church or don't know any Christians? Should it be obvious to them that there is a God? Is there a way for them to know that there is a God without having uh, the scriptures, without having what we call special revelation in the Bible? Uh, we're going to look in this session at what the Bible says about how people know that there's a God even if they don't have a Bible. So the first passage we're going to look at is Psalm 19 verses 1 to 4 and it says this it says that the opening lines are probably familiar to you it says the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge there is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world now, those few verses in Psalm 19 tell us some very important things. First of all, they tell us that God has revealed himself in creation. The opening line says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So the creation, the sky, the heavens, the creation is making known to us, is revealing to us the God who made the sky and the heavens and so on. It also tells us that the creation is communicating. The creation is speaking. The creation is preaching. Now this is metaphorical language, right? The, the creation is not talking in audible words, but it is communicating. It is revealing. That's why it uses the words declare and proclaim. Why in verse 2 it says day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. So whether it's day or night, right, the heavens, the sky, the creation is communicating, is in a sense crying out, telling us that there is a God, that there is a creator. And this is not only available to people who live in certain places or at certain times, but in verse 4 it says, their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world, meaning that God has revealed himself to everyone in all times, in all places. Uh, in theology we call this general revelation because it's available to all people in general, or natural revelation because God is revealing himself in nature. So Psalm 19 is, is celebrating the fact, but also teaching us about the fact that God has made himself known to all people through creation. Now there's a story that reinforces this point in Acts chapter 14. Remember the Apostle Paul traveled around to various cities around the Roman Empire proclaiming the good news about Christ. And some of the people that he went to uh, didn't uh, not only didn't know about Jesus, they didn't know about the God of the Bible. And so one of those places where he went uh, is recorded for us in Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 8. And listen to what this tells us about how God has revealed himself to people who have not encountered, not encountered the scriptures. All right, so verse 8 of Acts 14 begins, says, Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. 
He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. Now, let's pause there and say, if you have been reading the Bible and you know about Jesus and you know that Paul uh, has become a follower of Christ and that he's preaching about Christ, when if you were to witness that event, you would know this is God working through Paul. This is Christ working through the apostle. But the people that are gathered around Paul at this point, they don't know those things. They don't know about Christ. They don't even know about the God of the Bible. So verse 11 says, And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. So these people's response is to think that Paul and Barnabas must be the gods come down to earth. And so they're thinking in terms of the the Greek pantheon, right? The gods we read about in Homer and other places. Uh, They think uh, Barnabas is Zeus, the the chief of the gods of Olympus, according to the Greeks. And they think that uh, Paul is Hermes because he's the spokesman. And so they want to worship Barnabas and Paul, thinking that they are gods come down to earth. But verse 14 says, But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news, that you should turn from these vain things to a living God, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. So again, let's pause and say, when Paul and Barnabas realize that the people are wanting to worship them, they tear their garments, they're distressed, because the very reason why they have come is to tell these people that the gods that they've been worshiping are not the real gods. Zeus and Hermes and all the rest, they're not real gods. There is one living and true God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and He's sent His Son to become a man, and they want to tell them about Him, about Christ, so that they can believe in Him and be saved. And so they are distressed that they have so misunderstood what Paul has just done, or what God has just done through Paul. And so they're, they, they're saying, we want to tell you about the God who made heaven and earth, the God who made everything. And we might wonder, and the people there might wonder, well, if you're here to tell us about this God, is, is he, are we supposed to recognize him as a, as a new God, or has he always been there? And if he's always been there, why hasn't he told us before now? Well, look at what Paul says in verse 16. He says, in past generations, he, that is the living God, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. 
So Paul says, look, the real God, the true and living God, he has allowed you to go your own way in the past. He's allowed you to worship these false gods. He's allowed you to offer sacrifice to Zeus and Hermes and Athena and on and on and on. But even then, he was communicating his presence to you, or at least he was doing things to bear witness to the fact that he was there and that he cared for you so that when we came to tell you about him, you would know that this is not some new God on the scene, but this is the real God who's been there all along. What things did God do for these people to to be a witness about his presence and his goodness to them. Well, Paul mentions the rain that they received. He mentions the fruitful crops they had, the food that they uh, were able to eat that was produced from the ground, and the gladness, the joy that they experienced in their lives. Paul is saying all of those things actually come from the one true and living God. You may have been ascribing those things to other gods, but I'm here to tell you that was the one true God who made everything, who was giving you those good gifts so that you would know that he was there and that he cares for you. Now, this raises the question, because at the very end it says, even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. So here's the question. Why... If God has made himself known in creation, if the sky above is declaring the glory of God, and if the creation is constantly speaking, communicating, declaring that there is a creator, that there is a a God, why is it that so many people in so many cultures worship so many other things besides the one true and living God? That wasn't just a problem for the Greeks and the Romans um, in the past, right? That's still a problem today. And not just in uh, the cultures we might think of, but um, even cultures that maybe don't appear religious, people are still devoting themselves to something or someone. Why is it that oftentimes it's not the God of the Bible, it's not the real God that people are worshiping if God has made himself known so clearly. Well, that brings us to our last passage, which is in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 23. And it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Now, we might stop right there and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What truth do people have that they're suppressing? And why is God's wrath being poured out against people who are you know, doing ungodly and unrighteous things? How do we even know that they know the truth? Well, Paul answers that. He says, for, because, what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. So the truth they are suppressing is the truth about God, about God's existence, about God's reality. And they know that God exists, he says, because what can be known about God, at least the basic things he'll mention in a moment, is plain. It's there. It's been made known to them because God has shown it to them. So God has revealed himself. 
God has made plain his existence, his reality, and they have suppressed it. Well, how exactly has God made his existence known to people? How has he made it plain? Well, he goes on to explain, for, because, his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So Paul says, God has made himself known to mankind. And how has he done that? Well, he's done it through the things that he made ever since the time that he made them. So from the beginning of creation, God has made clear and plain to all people everywhere that he exists, that he is divine, that he is eternal, that he is powerful, that he is the creator. All that has been made known to them through the things that God has made. Right? We should be able to look around at the world around us not only uh, what we think of as nature, you know, trees and animals and the sky and the stars and the moon and uh, the sun and so on, but also at people, right? The people around us that God has made in his image. And we ought to be able to look at all of those things and recognize that somebody must have made all this. And whoever made all this must be powerful, must be good. Right? must be great, something like that. Right? Th those kinds of things we should be able to recognize from what God has made. And this is, the, according to the Bible, this is not, uh, ought not to be difficult. Right? He says he's made it plain. Uh, he says these things have been clearly perceived. Right? God has made it evident that he exists. And Paul says then, so they are without excuse. In other words, people who are suppressing the truth about God, who don't want to believe in this God, who don't want to worship this God, they don't have any excuse. They can't claim that they didn't know he was there. They didn't know he exists because the creation itself is making it plain. But they don't often, people don't often acknowledge this God, worship this God, and that's what Paul talks about next. He says, for although they knew God, so they know he's there. Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So all around them is the evidence that this God exists and it's not hidden. It's plain and clear. And yet people refuse to worship and thank the God who made them and made the world that they live in and enjoy. Right? Why do they do this? He goes on to say, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. In other words, people see from creation that there is a creator, but they end up worshiping created things instead of the creator who made those things. So they worship images of man, birds, animals, and so on. Or, you know, in, in our, our culture's case, just anything that was made. It could be money, possessions, could be a person, any number of things. We worship something that has been made instead of the maker. Something created instead of the creator. That's what people do 
by default, right? They know that there's a God. It's evident from creation that he exists, and yet they refuse to worship him, refuse to honor him, refuse to give thanks to him, which is why we need the gospel, which is what Paul moves on to talk about later in the book of Romans, is uh, how God has sent his son to save people from their sin, from their suppression of the truth, from the wrath that's coming upon them because of their ungodliness and unrighteousness. He sent his son to save them all from that. And people need to hear that message, he says in chapter 10, so they can believe in that savior and be saved. Because God has made known his existence, his reality through creation, that he's real is evident through creation. But that's not enough for salvation. So we can know God exists. God has revealed himself and and he's done that through creation. But even though God has revealed himself through creation, even though the heavens are declaring the glory of God and day and night they're pouring forth speech, we know that not everybody believes in that God. Some people actively reject that God. And some people struggle with doubts about the existence of that God. They want to know how they can be sure. Can they know for certain that God exists? Well, next time we're going to ask the question, are there good arguments for the existence of God? Are are there arguments that we can use um, for those who are doubting, for those who are, are struggling to believe in God? Um, Are there arguments that demonstrate that believing in God makes sense based on uh, what we see in the world around us? We'll turn to those questions uh, in the next session or two. But in the meantime, I hope this one has been helpful to you. And uh, God bless. I'll see you next time.